Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. We are in a series that is titled, Who is Your One? Who's Your One? Looking at different conversations that you and I are to be having, different conversations that we have on an ongoing basis with individuals and speaking about changing those conversations to spiritual ones. Just to introduce the sermon this morning, how many of you have ever been in a conversation and going into it, you knew what the outcome was going to be. You knew, you before. I mean, you've already played it out in your mind. You know what you're going to say. You know how they're going to respond. And everything is totally opposite. It, it doesn't happen the way that you thought that it was going to happen once it starts. That's the conversation we're going to jump into this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, Turn to the Gospel of John. We will be in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. I am not going to read all the verses of this passage. There are 44 to 45 of the ones that we will look through, so I'm not going to read all of them, but if you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to John chapter 11. If you don't, look up on the screen. It's behind me. And you will see the verses that we will be looking through. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Then I'm going to uh, jump down to verse 11, down through verse 15, just to begin this morning. John records the event this way. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea. Again, skip down to verse 11. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant he was taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake... For the disciples' sake, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. 
Heavenly Father, as we walk through the passage in front of us this morning, Father, I pray that um, you would speak to every individual in this room. No matter if the individual knows you or not, Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, that we would see how great you are and how much you love us. God, you love us just like you loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And Father, through Your Son, I know that You are working in and around us. May we know that. May we see that. May we join You in Your work. So Father, I pray that You would speak in these moments. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Three observations of this conversation. And and I understand that this conversation, in this conversation, it's not just with one person. There are multiple individuals that are taking place in what John records for us in John chapter 11. There, There is Mary and Martha and Lazarus who are ill in the town called Bethany. Jesus is not there. His disciples are not there. But as Lazarus is ill and as he is getting worse and worse, they send a messenger or messengers to find Jesus. And so there's those messengers. And as those messengers speak with Jesus about Lazarus, whom Jesus loves, they must have overheard what Jesus states to his disciples. Hey, Lazarus is sick, but this illness will not lead to death. And I'm sure they hightailed it all the way back to Bethany to tell Martha and Mary, hey, this is is what Jesus said. Jesus said, this will not lead to death. Expecting Jesus to be right behind them, and Jesus remained where he was another day and another day. And as he's remaining there those extra days, Lazarus is not getting better. Lazarus is getting worse. And Lazarus actually dies. And this conversation that we are looking at this morning between Mary and Jesus, Martha and Jesus, Jesus and his disciples, all about the event of Lazarus' death, continues to unfold. So let's see this conversation. The the conversation is always about Jesus. First observation. The conversation is always about Jesus. First and foremost. Martha and Mary thought they were talking about Lazarus. They were not discussing Lazarus. They were discussing Jesus. Jesus speaking to his disciples about Lazarus was really speaking about himself. And it was not a wrong thing for him to do. The conversation is always about Jesus. Your conversation might be about how the Bulldogs beat up on a group of wildcats or how some rebels, land sharks, 
Bears, uh, whoever they are, the team that I like, um, got beat by some actual Bears from California. Or your other team, or your other likes, or your other interest, or your job, or your family, or this, that, or the other might be what you think the conversation is about, but it is not about that first and foremost. The conversation is always about Jesus. Martha and Mary send word to Jesus about their brother. They send word to Jesus because they know Jesus is the only one who can help Him. And they expect Jesus to respond in a certain way, i.e. they expect him to run to Lazarus's side and heal him. The conversation is always about Jesus. I'm sure as Martha and Mary saw their brother, they sent the messengers away and their waiting word back, they just started thinking, I wonder, you know, Mary, I wonder if Jesus is going to heal him like he did that centurion servant. You, you remember the day. You remember what was happening when the centurion met Jesus and Jesus said, okay, let's go to your house. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. We don't have to go to my house. You have people under you. I've got people under me and, and the people under me. If I say the word, guess what? They do it. I don't even have to be in their presence. And Jesus looks around and he looks at his disciples and he says, I have never seen a greater faith in all of Israel than this guy's. He said, why don't you go on your way, centurion? Your servant is healed. I wonder if he's going to do it like that. You think he's going to do it like that? No, Mary, he's not going to do it like that. He's, he's going to do it like this. He's going to come and he's going to spit on the ground and then he's just going to touch Lazarus and, and that that mud that he makes when he spits on the ground and he puts it on him, he's just going to heal him that way. No, he's not. He's, he, he's already done that. He's not going to do that. Martha, all I know is this. He's coming, and when he comes, Lazarus is going to get better. Hey, messengers, will y'all go to the end of the road and see if Jesus is coming up the road? 30 minutes later, hey, messengers, will y'all go back out to the end of the road and just look and make sure Jesus is coming. It's sundown the first day. We, we all, oh. all right, he'll be here first thing in the morning. Second observation that Martha and Mary understand about this conversation and that you and I need to understand about the conversation is this. The conversation may always be about Jesus, but when Jesus shows up, the Jesus that shows up is not always the one that you and I ask for. The Jesus that shows up is not always the one that you and I ask for. Look in the passage again. Look down in verse 17. In verse 17, John records these words. Now when Jesus came... When he came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Verse 20. 
So, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he's going to rise in the end. Can't you just see that from, from her? Can't you just see that's immediately where she goes. I know she's going to rise. I know that he's going to rise in the end. We're not talking about that, Lord. Let's get back to the proper moment. And the moment is he's dead. And if you would have been here, he would not have died. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Church, do do you believe this? Martha, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her, who were with Mary in the house, when they were with her in the house, consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose quickly and they saw her go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Pause before we read the next couple of verses. You and I might know what's about to happen. If you don't know what's about to happen, um, Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. I'll Spoil the the whole thing, all right? You and I know what's about to happen. Jesus, at this moment, in this account, on that day, knew exactly what was about to happen. He's God. He knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew that he was about to stand in front of this cave that had a stone in front of it and say, hey, move the stone and Lazarus, come forth. He knew that was about to happen. And even knowing that, read verse 34. Verse 33. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw, this is verse 32, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews, the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? The second observation is this. The Jesus that shows up is not always the one that you and I ask for. You and I want in our situation, in our trouble, in our conflict, in our hurt, in our disease, in our illness, you and I want the Jesus that met the centurion to show up. You and I want the Jesus who was actually there and spit on the ground and made mud and put his hands on their body and healed them. That's who you and I want. But the Jesus who shows up is not always the Jesus that you and I ask for. Sometimes the Jesus that we are seeking, the ones like I was just talking about, He does not show up. And the question for you and the question for me, the question for us is, what are we going to do when that happens? How are we going to respond when the Jesus that we're asking for, the Jesus that we're searching for, shows up and He is different than what we asked for? Some of you in the room this morning have asked and asked and asked. You've asked for God to take an illness away from a family member. You've asked for God to take an illness or a disease away from you. You've asked for God to work in a son or a daughter's heart. You've asked God to work in a spouse, a father, a mother's heart. You've asked God to work in a boss's heart. You've asked God to move you out of this spot or that spot. You've asked God to get you out of this class into that class. And yet, all there is is crickets. Because the Jesus that you're searching for is not showing up in the way that you are seeking Him. Tim Keller, pastor, author, in New York City, stated it this way, Jesus Christ delays. Jesus Christ delays to the point where the human mind can no longer see how He could possibly fulfill His promises. Think about that sentence in light of this passage. Mary and Martha... Mary and Martha send word to Jesus while Lazarus is alive. They send word to him stating, I know that Jesus loves him, and because he loves him, he is going to be on the first train coming this direction. He's coming. I know that he is. Day one, day two, he dies. Day three, day four, day five, day six. He's in the tomb four days. Jesus has not showed up. 
Jesus delays to the point where the human mind can no longer see how he could possibly fulfill his promises. Mary and Martha heard the promise. This is not a sickness unto death. And after Jesus looked like he was doing everything but what he promised to do, after his delays, after all his confusing behavior, their attitude is still. We read it. We read it twice. We read it with Martha first, and then we read it with Mary second. Lord, I wish you would have been here. If you would have been here, Lazarus would not have died. Go back to verse 4. Remember what Jesus says in verse 4. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Fast forward down to verse 14. Then Jesus told them, The disciples, plainly, Lazarus has died. Verse 15, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. The Jesus that shows up is not always the one that you and I ask for. And you and I need to understand this. The the situation that you find yourself in, situation that we find ourselves in, this thing called life. This struggle, this journey, this up and down, these, these good days and bad days that we find ourselves in the midst of. The hurt. I was in a home yesterday of one of our folks that come here that call Riverbend home. I was in the home yesterday and the family had just lost a dad. And I, and I sat there as they were all around. The family was all around. They had just taken his, his body to the funeral home, and, and they were just sitting there, and all, everybody was just talking, talking about what he liked, talking about lunch that was about to be placed on the table, talking about family matters, crying, laughing all at the same time. And I was thinking about this passage as surrounded by that family. I know they prayed for Jesus to heal that dad. I prayed it with them. I know they wanted the cancer. I know they wanted the disease. I know they wanted the body to be healed. But Jesus didn't show up that way. And so often, Jesus doesn't show up in your life and in my life. And when he doesn't show up, what's your attitude, sir? What's our attitude? What are our words back to him? Maybe we have words like this. "How How could you be so callous? I thought that I was your son. I thought that I was your daughter. I thought we were family. I thought that you were right here with me and you knew exactly what was going on. How could you not care about us? 
After we've done so much for you, after we've given so many dollars, after we've given so much time, put so much effort into this, that, or the other, how could you do that and not show up? How could you allow us to get diagnosed with this? How could you let the pain and grief, the loss of a spouse, of a child, of a job, of a church, how could you make that, allow that to happen? I thought you loved me. How? Why? Here's the problem with the day that we live in. Listen, here's the problem with the day that we live in. You and I pull up to a speaker. We state we want number one with no pickles or onions. We're mad when nobody is in front of us between the speaker and the window. And we have to wait 32 seconds to get a number one with no pickles or onions. We're mad because we had to wait 32 seconds for it. We're also mad because the fries that came with the number one with no pickles and onions, they're a little cold or they're a little salty. They don't have enough salt on them. The drink that we got, oh, we got a half and half tea. and Oh man, I really hate it when they put the unsweet part on the bottom of my half and half tea. Y'all do the same thing? The problem with our culture and the problem with us is this. We are an immediate judge of a situation that does not go our way. Can you imagine Martha and Mary and all the Jews who were trying to console them as they are grieving the loss of Lazarus, their brother? And Jesus shows up and he tells his disciples before he even shows up and he's about to tell Martha and Mary, hey, I'm glad I wasn't here. They're about to understand that they are, that they too are glad that Jesus was not here in the moment of his sickness. He shows up and when he shows up, it's not always The way that we ask, it's not always when we ask, but when He does show up, church. When He does show up, He is right on time, with the right words, with the right prescription, with the right everything because of who He is. John Newton, the slave trader who became a preacher, who became a songwriter, John Newton stated this, Everything is needful that he sins. Everything is needful that he sins. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. John Newton, you didn't know my situation. Yes, he did. John Newton, you didn't know my circumstance. You didn't know my diagnosis. You didn't know what was happening. Yes, he did and more. But even more than John Newton knowing this, that, or the other about how we live, Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, knows everything. 
sir, ma'am, as a believer, as a believer today, your illness does not end in death. For the moment that you breathe your last on the face of this earth, and you will, and I will, unless He comes. As a believer, you and I will immediately enter into eternal life. Your illness does not end in death as a believer. As a believer, your loss... Your loss of a loved one does not end in grief, in despair, in desperation. As a believer, His church, His kingdom, His work continues. He is working right now in front, behind, beside all of us to bring about His work. The Jesus who shows up. Church. He's not always the one that you ask for, but He is the one who meets every single need. And he might not be the one that you ask for, but he's always better than what's advertised. Which leads us to a third observation. The third observation is not that just the conversation is about Jesus first and foremost, and it's not always the one, the Jesus that we ask for is the one that shows up, but the third observation is this, that the outcome is always better than we asked for. Martha and Mary, back a week earlier, sent messengers to Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Will you come healing? Jesus? The one that you love is sick. Will you come? Six days later, Jesus shows up. And He doesn't heal a sick person. He does His last, and some would say outside of the resurrection, His greatest miracle. He says, where where have they laid Him? And there's a cave, and there's a stone. Martha and Mary and all the folks who are helping console them are there. And one of the sisters says, Lord, don't. I mean, he's got to stink by now. Don't. He says, remove the stone. He says, Lord, don't. He's got to stink by now. And Jesus states these words. In John chapter 11, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Verse 40, verse 41. So they took the stone away and Jesus lifted up his eyes. He prays. He prays to the Father. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said it on the account of the people who are standing around. That they may believe that you sent me. Remember I told you what the first observation was. The conversation is always about Jesus. It's not about Lazarus here. It wasn't about Lazarus that Jesus uh, allowed him to stand up and walk out of the grave. You do know that Lazarus died again. 
Lazarus is still not living in, in Bethany in Israel. No, no, there was a moment, a second, a minute that Lazarus died after what happens here in verse 44 and 45. It's not about Lazarus. It is about Jesus. Father, I'm talking to you right now, and the reason I'm talking to you out loud right now is so that everybody knows that I'm talking to you and that you're the one that's doing this. I'm not doing it because of me. You and I have already talked, and you've heard me. I know you're going to do what, I, what we've talked about. But what I'm about to do, Father, I want them to see. I want them to see you, and I want them to see me, and that I'm sent from you. The outcome is always better than what we ask for. I knew that you always hear me, verse 42, but I said this on account of the people who are standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Some of us today at 11 o'clock on Sunday, the 22nd of September 2019. Some of us find ourselves like Martha and Mary. And we have asked and we have sent word to Jesus for Him to work in our lives, for Him to work in this situation, for Him to move. And some of us are just waiting for Him. As you wait, as you wait for Him to show up, what's, what's your attitude like? As you wait for Him to show up, what, what are your words like? You, you know, the, the, not, not the words that are on the outside when the preacher comes up and says, hey, how are you doing? Or when somebody who's not so close to you comes up and says, hey, is there anything I can get for you? I want to do something for you. Is there anything that we can do for you? Not, not those words, because those words, those words still have the mask on. And everything's okay. And no, y'all, y'all don't have to do anything. We're good. But what are your words like with those who are extremely close to you? Maybe it's that spouse who's been with you for years and decades. You know, doesn't happen at my house. I'm not talking about my house, okay? I'm not talking about my, my house. Been married 21, 22 years. We're hoping for the 22nd one this December. But, but those words that bite... Right at first, and then you see the response. You're like, oh, wait, well, let's backtrack just a little bit. At least that's what I do. Not at my house, though. But really, what are your words like when you're honest about the situation that you have prayed over and you have sought Him over time and again? What are your attitudes like, church body? What are your attitudes like? when we're in this moment of waiting? What are your words like? What are your attitudes like when Jesus shows up different than what you expected? Because if we can't, 
get to the point that we say, Lord, capital L-O-R-D, and not have a but after it, or a Lord, no, N-O, after it, we will not see Him move. Because both of those phrases, Lord, but, Lord, no, rejects Him as Lord. And when He shows up, Just like in John chapter 11, it is better than advertised. When He shows up, He does greater things than you could ever ask or think or imagine Mary and Martha and River Bend. Will we trust Him in the waiting? Heavenly Father, thank You for the conversation. Thank you for the conversation between Martha and Mary and Jesus and all the disciples and all the followers. Father, in this moment right now, I know that there are hurts. I know there are questions about what doctors have said, what doctors are going to say this week. We don't even know what they're going to say We don't even know that there's an issue right now, but we have an appointment and what they're going to say. God, you hold the future in your hand. The future as as individuals, as families, Father, as, as a church body, you hold the future in your hand. And you know, because you're omniscient, you know everything. You know how it's all going to play out and how you're going to work and how you're going to continue to do great and mighty things. You know these things. God, we're asking. We're just having a conversation with you, Father, and we're asking you to show up. Father, may we trust you in how you do that. I pray for those in this room right now. God, that our attitudes would be right. Our words would be right. As we come close to you. God, we would trust you. Church, the invitation for us this morning is just that. You've been asking. We've been asking. Whether it's personal, individual, whether it's, it's illness, it's, it's family issues, whether it's the, the issue about possible church, issues about life, we, we've asked. The time for you to respond to Him as we stand and sing in just a second. The time for you to respond is here. Will you trust Him? Even if He shows up different than you expected. Will you trust Him? Father, we say we trust You. God, would You move? And would You show Yourself strong because You are worthy of it? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and join Alex as we sing.
time of response, invitation. If you would like to come forward and pray, the altar's open. If you need me to pray with you, I'd be more than happy to. Alex and team. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Sin.